Okay, we are going to continue in our sermon sessions throughout the Gospel of John, and we find ourselves this day in chapter 5, verses uh, 10 through uh, 18. 10 through 18 is the portion of Scripture for our sermon session. Thus far, in this scriptural journey, we have certainly seen revealed information in the nature of Christ, who he was, is, and will forevermore be. And we've seen thus far his ministry in action, his obedience to the Father, His Father, in the interactive uh, accounts with individuals either of the Jewish persuasion or of the foreign persuasion, the foreigner, uh, Gentile, Greek, pagan, heathen, non-Jew. And we've seen the information in the text revealing the new birth that was necessary in order for one to go from outside to inside to find redemption, salvation, the forgiveness of sins, to have legal citizenship within the kingdom Christ would soon build. And we have seen revealed through these accounts how the Jews who should have embraced the Christ and knew him from the scriptures, they were born and raised to read, recite, memorize, proclaim, live by, yet they had a more so superficial faith. And they neglected and rejected him, for the most part. Yet the foreigner, those who are afar off, the non-Jew, would embrace him and have genuine, authentic faith in the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, a man on this earth named Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And that certainly gave us great insight within the motive and hearts of men and how at times we have those who should know and receive and believe and have great faith in Christ, yet they don't. And how those who would perhaps be hostile towards belief uh, or Christianity once they convert become most powerful for the gospel as um, useful useful souls in the kingdom and of course we saw that the account transitioned to Christ practicing supernatural activity 
miraculous activity in chapter 5 where we are found and in our sermon session last week an individual, a man who had been blind or sorry, not blind, ill sick for uh, 38 years and we saw how this man had made some poor decisions, some sinful decisions that would have led him to this moment and this interaction with the Christ, Jesus. And from that account, it continues in this here day and session. And we're going to see how, again, the Jews become hostile towards Jesus and how their superficial faith and their lack of genuine uh, belief in Jesus is going to be demonstrated. And it's also going to reveal their allegiance and loyalties are not indeed to God, but to themselves. And this in connection to this man who had been healed on that day. And so, interesting to note, in verse 9 of chapter 5, it says, Immediately the man became well, and picked up his pallet and began to walk. But the second section of this verse, to which we would commonly say the B part of the verse, you have the A part and the B part of the verse, the B part of the verse says, now it was the Sabbath on that day. It was the Sabbath on that day. So in verse 10, when the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, it is the Sabbath, and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. These verses suggest that this was not the weekly Sabbath, but a special feast. And we know that from the same chapter, verse 1, where it says there was a feast of the Jews. So this is the first recorded account in John regarding open hostility towards Jesus. Jesus would often challenge the Jews in relation to the Sabbath and their allegiance to their traditions. Hence, Jesus saying to them in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, and I quote, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? You see, the Jews had the Mishnah, which devotes an entire section to the Sabbath. 39 classes of work were forbidden on the Sabbath. And wouldn't you know it? The 39th, the 39th being that it was forbidden, forbidden to transfer an object from one place to another. Huh? So we can see Jesus causing controversy by telling the man whom he cured to pick up his pallet, and walk. 
Jesus could have waited the next day. Would have been much easier on him. Would not have need for controversy. But he didn't. And he didn't for a purpose. Because God gave the Ten Commandments straightforward and easy to understand. These Jewish leaders had since manipulated the interpretation to include 613 separate commandments, 365 in the negative and 248 in the positive, meaning don't do this and you need to do that. So on top of that, they added countless other restrictions that were impossible burdens. Of course, demanded upon the church, no less. That's why the Sabbath had become something God never intended. And in Mark chapter 2, verse 27 and 28, quoting, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So you can see how this here witnessed, recorded account would have the Jews asking this man or telling this man, it's the Sabbath. And it's not permissible for you to carry your pallet. You are breaking our traditions. The traditions of our elders and our forefathers. They had made their tradition law. So therefore, what you have done is lawless upon this feast, this Sabbath. So he answered them in verse 11. He who made me well was the one who said to me, pick up your pallet and walk. So they asked him in verse 12, well, who is the man who said to you, pick up your pallet and walk? <laughs> That's the offense here. That's the third thing being mentioned here. Three times thus far in this chapter. The first time the Christ, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop being the victim. Take hold of your life. Do something with your life. Become productive. That's the offense. How dare you do that in violation of our traditions? It wasn't me. He's the one who told me to pick it up. Who told you to pick it up? Verse 13. The man who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Interesting. Interesting indeed. So the man defended himself by blaming the one who healed him. In verse 11. It ain't me. But I didn't. Don't look at me. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one who told me to do it. And so the Jewish leaders wanted to know who this healer was. 
Well, who is he? Nothing here is to be done without our approval, our authority. We are the gatekeepers. We are the key holders. We are the religious leaders. Nothing is to be done in such a way without our approval, and there is no approval to do what has been done in violation of our traditions. He who made me well was the one who said to me, pick up your pallet and walk. So they asked him, well, who is the man who said that to you? A man's been cured. A man's been cured. That's not the important discussion here. He has been known sick for 38 years. You know, growing up in um, uh, our location, it was common to see individuals who were sick or who would have physical deformities. And we would have known them in the community, seeing them every day with these physical deformities. It could be an individual in a wheelchair or an individual who did not have arms or who was blind. And if after 38 years of being in your community, seeing the exact same individual in a wheelchair or blind or withered in a way or lame or sick, from one hour to the next, after 38 years, this here individual is now made well and folds up his wheelchair and starts to walk home with it in his hands. I don't. He's been made well. I would want to know who did it for the purpose of being healed as well. I want to know who did that so we can know this power. What a beautiful thing. Let's celebrate with this individual in the community who's now been made well. Miraculously so, from a supernatural power. Like, but their motive was not in search of, we need to know the man who did this. We need to celebrate with the man who's been healed. We need to know. It wasn't, the motive was not pure. It was not humble. It was not righteous. It was not good and decent. It, it was not filled with joy and, 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 and hope and mercy and forgiveness. It was, it was not activated as a moment of trust and faith in the one who did this. We need to know. We need to follow. We need to learn. <laughs> this, quite the contrary. The motive was we need to find out what took place here in violation of our tradition so we can hold accountable and accuse this individual who so dared to go against the tyranny of these oppressors, the bullies at the helm. How dare you? How dare you do that? You're not allowed to do that. I say what you're allowed to do and when you're allowed to do it, religiously so. Because we're the scholars. We're the religious leaders. We're the smart ones. You're not smart. We are smart. You come to us to know what is to be done or not done. And you violated that. Shameful insight within the hearts of men. 
Have we changed so drastically in the years that have passed? No. You'll see this same spirit within the church, sadly. And we are most thankful to God and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit through the scriptures written, the instruction to remove ourselves, to withdraw ourselves from such ones as these self-righteous hypocrites, liars and slanderers, accusers. So they are in pursuit. And verse 14 comes along and says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. Which man? Well, the man he cured. The man he cured. He says to him, verse 14, Behold, you have become well, it seems. Do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse happens to you. Well, the man went away <laughs> in verse 15 and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So for this reason, of course, in verse 16, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Jesus found the man in the location of religious practice and told this man, in relation to the man having responsibility for his past condition, in which we covered, of course, in our last sermon session. So he says, stop living in sin so that you will not suffer eternal punishment. That's much worse than what you thought you were dealing with, wallowing in your own self-pity for have chosen sinful directions in your life. Now you play the victimhood card and the victimhood worldview. No, 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 no. So the man, of course, still trying to save himself from any problems, goes to the Jews and tells them it was Jesus who made him well. It's not my fault, it's his fault. Stop living in sin so that you will not suffer eternal punishment. You thought you had it bad where you were for 38 years? Seems like you've become well. Wouldn't that be the cause and the motivation and the focus of your heart to have had a new start in life? A new instruction to live for what is good and right? Stop living in sin. Don't sin no more. I'm telling you, eternal punishment is much worse than what anything you've been going through in this life. It's interesting how this man's behavioral delinquencies were revealed in verses prior in his condition for making poor, sinful decisions in his life, which led him to play the victim, trusting in foolish fables, now is cowardly seeking to save his own life and reputation, or his ability to not be withdrawn from the Jewish societal acceptance. The Jews were not concerned about the good deed done. And it seemed that 
nor was this man grateful for his healing, but rather was more concerned about not getting in trouble with these religious bullies. So for that reason, having told the man to break their traditions, the Jews were persecuting Jesus. In other words, they were aggressively chasing and pursuing him in order to overtake him, apprehend him, or to put him to flight, to run him out of town. And therein would be the language, the idea behind the language spoken. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Jesus was not breaking God's law. He was breaking their traditions that they had since bound on their people. And the scriptures would speak of why they would do such things. Well, it was for control, to have them control, to control, to have their praise, to have preeminence among them, to practice their self-righteous indignations, their hypocrisy. They were greedy. And Jesus purposely, in his ministry, in his efforts, sought to expose that. And they didn't want none, they did not like that at all. And so he answers them in verse 17 My father is working until now, and I myself. Am working and because he said what he said the Jews in verse 18 were seeking all the more to murder him because he not only was breaking the Sabbath according to their traditions of course but was also calling God his own father making himself equal with God Wow. <laughs> That's interesting to me. Courageous. Bold. Standing up to these religious tyrants, oppressors, and bullies in such a way. Oh, you think you're offended by my violation of your traditions? Here's one you're really going to like. My father is working until now, and I myself am working. You see, it would have been common custom, of course, for the Jew to pray to our father. The idea being that we are submissive to the father. We are not God. We are mere mortal. So we speak of the father as superior, the great I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our forefathers, and those we certainly uh, uh, honor and respect, like Moses. But here's this man who has flesh just like you and I, 
who has not only violated our traditions that we've since put into law, but now is speaking as a personal, unique, and equal deistic power and source and authority? No, 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 no. They were seeking now more so to murder him because he was speaking in a distinct and precise way, in a way that hold, held no confusion. Jesus was telling them, I and the Father are equal. We are one. We are not two gods. We are one God and we are equal. Well, that's blasphemy. Blasphemy. Crucify him. Murder him. Interesting indeed how this recorded account reveals the um, chronological progression in the hostilities when they should have been softened, when they should have been seeking, searching, asking, seeking, knocking. Why be the swine? Why remain the swine? Why not become the holders of the pearl? Why not side with the pearl, the Christ? Why not learn of this new birth? Why not learn of this kingdom in which Christ would be crowned? Why not be pierced, humbled, into a poor, submissive spirit? A man sick for 38 years has been made well. We need to learn from Christ, not seek to murder him. It's the same today. It's the same today. We do our best to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to this dying world and this dying community. We speak to decent people, our fellow neighbors, co-workers, friends, family, snared in false religious worldviews, masquerading as Christianity, to which they are submissive to their popes and priests and reverends and pastors who act as gatekeepers and keyholders who purposely, at times, sadly, wrongly handle the scriptures in such an interpretation that misguides these naive and vulnerable souls off the cliff along with the rest of the swine. And sadly, that element of corruption creeps into our Lord's church through wolves in sheep's clothing who practice the same thing, bind traditions created from their own mind and seek to condemn the rest of us. 
Christ came to bring life and hope. He came to heal and forgive mercy and grace. He came to give us a new birth. A birth in which when we submit to, we find redemption. We are found in the location of His grace, added to His kingdom as legal citizens. The Jews neglected this wonderful opportunity to embrace what they had been born and raised and read of. The Christ, the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Anointed, the Anointed One. They could have had life. This man who was cured could have embraced the Messiah. He sought to instead save his own life. In point blame, why not be thankful for what had been, what happened? And you know, some some Christians, once they've been forgiven, that's they forget that the Christ and what He done for them. It's 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 so sad. For our next sermon session next week, Lord willing, we will go deep into the text which follows in verses 19 through uh, well 19 and following on every aspect of the equality Christ has with the father and how he certainly holds authority with all religious affairs and that it is not these Jewish leaders who have uh control but that the people have a way to um, be released from the bondage of these traditions that come not from God. You and I today, in closing fashion, in practical application, need to be wise not to create and bind tradition. We are not to, we are not to add or remove from the scriptures. We are to be careful about that. We, are, we need to be mindful about that. We are not to find focus and motive from unrighteous sourcing. We are to be joyful, encouraged, and edified that we can also be healed through the new birth Christ has fulfilled, brought to completion. For all who are snared within false religious worldviews and their traditions, you need not follow that path to what is worse, eternal punishment, eternal destruction. You and I now have the way, the Christ. And as repentant believers, confessing Him as our Lord and Master, the Son of God, we qualify to be submerged, plunged, dipped, clothed, buried, baptizo, calling on His name. For therein is the power that washes our sins away. Acts twenty-two, sixteen. 16. 
to be born out of water and the Spirit, added to his kingdom as legal citizens, no longer snared in the traditions of mankind and their dying ways is a wonderful opportunity and it is available while all who are independently accountable hear this message and act upon it. Do you have faith? The faith of the man who was cured was very low. The faith of these Jews were seen to be superficial in a great many and non-existent, fully so, in most. Do we have faith? Without faith we are not pleasing to God, the Hebrew writer would write. We don't need to anticipate and live with what is worse. We can choose to repent and change and be born again out of water and the Spirit. When the Master makes the final call and you have to leave this earthly ball, well, where are you going to hide on that great day? Say, come, well done, or into the mountains will you run? Well, where are you going to hide on that great day? Where are you going to hide when the earthquake rocks the world? Where are you going to hide when the sun from space is hurled? Where are you going to hide when all things have passed away? Say, where are you going to hide? Where are you going to hide on that?